And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello, and welcome to P.S. I love rom-coms, the podcast about Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney, John Mahoney, and Alicia Silverstoney. It's I'm Allie. And I'm Mia. P.S. I Love Rom-Coms is a podcast where Allie and I, rom-com fan girls, try to answer the question that has been around since the dawn of time. Which came first, the rom or the com? Definitely the rom. <laughs> oh, we disagree there. Um, <laughs> no, no, not true. The question we will be attempting to answer today is, which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time? Joining us today is an extremely talented actress and influencer. You can see her in the <gasps> upcoming rom-com, A Royal Christmas Engagement. And if her life was a rom-com, she'd be the Hollywood starlet who falls in love with a British travel bookstore owner with floppy hair and twinkly eyes, everyone, it is the one and only Mariah Robinson! Hello, hello! Man, that is quite the introduction. I feel like, Ali, I need you just to follow me around and say that all the time. Oh, with pleasure, with pleasure. It's very exciting. I think you're our first... Uh, guest on the podcast who has been in a rom-com. Yes. Yeah. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was fun. Fun experience all around. It sounds like a true dream come true. Yeah. I mean, realistically, that was something that's been on my bucket list since I was maybe 13 or 14. So, you know, I manifested it and here we go. Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, Mariah, we like to start off each episode with a little segment called Which Rom-Com Heroine Are You Channeling? Where we equate the experiences we've had this week with a famous rom-com hero or heroine. I'll start us off. This week, I had a crazy night where um, I didn't go to sleep until six in the morning. What? And yes. And it was so it felt so insane to me because it's like because of everything that's happening. I was just like alone in my living room like all night until the sun came up. And um, it was like a, a confluence of things. One was like I had a Diet Coke later in the day. I had uh, <laughs> done some done some some late night exercise. And um, I was also reading last week. I talked about how I was reading uh, this amazing horror book called uh the southern book club's guide to slaying vampires and oh. um i am this is by this author grady hendrix and i finished that one and then i started another book of his called my best friend's exorcism and oh, oh my god <laughs> you know so it's probably <laughs> okay, mostly <okay>. because <laughs> this is <laughs> yes i know and it's really unlike me i'm really i'm like a very afraid person and i'm really afraid because i grew up christian i'm really afraid of uh possession <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Right? <laughs> it's weird. It's even it's one of those things that if you grow up believing it could happen, you just will always kind of be afraid of it. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah, it's so weird. So I'm reading my best friend's exorcism and it's like, it's pretty intense. Obviously, that's probably why I couldn't sleep. But um, try to go to bed at like 1 a.m. And then um, I just keep periodically like waking up and then basically just spent the whole night alone in my living room finishing my best friend's exorcism. Um, While well, chugging down a Coke and doing jumping jacks. <laughs> Yeah, just completely, completely have no idea why I couldn't sleep. Um, and I uh, almost decided to stay up, but then just did I Googled it and they said that even sleeping two hours was better than um, not sleeping at all. So um, then I did go back to sleep. But um, so I am channeling um, Rosa Salazar's character Madeline from the lovely 2015 indie rom-com Night Owls, um, where the oh. whole film takes place. Yeah, it's so sweet. And I wouldn't have seen it... Um, so my boyfriend had heard of it and it happened to be on Netflix, but it stars Adam Pally and Rosa Salazar. And it takes place um, where the, it, the whole rom-com takes place with them pulling an all-nighter on like a first date um, oh. in one location. They're in this house. And um, 
so and it's uh sort of scary not scary but uh it does start with rosa salazar like having a um overdose Exorcism. <laughs> okay. So, okay so different but similar <laughs> different but similar just um, a casual exorcism Exorcism. <laughs> that's who i'm channeling ellie who are you wow. channeling <laughs> um wow um not as exciting. <laughs> I feel like um, my life is so boring right now. No. Um, I'm channeling. I mean, and here's why. I'm channeling um, Julie from uh, Julie and Julia, Amy <laughs> Adams's character. But like not even in a fun way of like I'm going through a cookbook. I'm literally I just found this um, recipe list online, which is like. 10 summer salads you have to try. <laughs> and um, so every day I'm making a new summer salad and I'm trying it. Today, what? summer salad was a keto broccoli salad. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> that, now, Yesterday's salad was a refreshing summer corn salad. <laughs> How many have you made? Uh, I have made four so far. <laughs> wow. Um, yes, yes. I have made a Southwestern salad. Ooh, I've made good. a uh, Faro summer salad. I've made a corn summer salad. And today is the broccoli <laughs> summer salad. <laughs> Almost halfway through the summer salads. Pretty <laughs> wild and crazy <laughs> over here. Yeah, you know, an another fun thing about salad, um, this should, should be called <laughs> no, no, I no. Love salads. <laughs> yes, I love salads. Interesting thing about making salads um, bearable is you have to put so much dressing on it. And this broccoli salad had over a cup of mayonnaise on oh it. Oh, my Stop God. It. That's, that's not even healthy anymore. <laughs> yeah, you might as well go to In and Out at that point. Get a yeah. protein single burger. No, a I cup know. of mayonnaise. Oh, yep. helps that broccoli slide down real <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, um, that's kind of where my life is at right now. I ate a cup of mayonnaise today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Mariah, how how are you? Who? Uh, what rom com heroine are you channeling this week? Yeah, so um, I have a birthday tomorrow. <gasps> um, Yay! Officially entering into my late twenties. So oh you know, like, it's like the older you get, you know, they, I feel like they don't tell you about all the things that start happening to your body. You know, mm -hmm. so like this week, I went to urgent care because I convinced myself I was having a heart attack. Um, <gasps> I'm not. I just have low resting heart rate, whatever the hell that means. Whoa. But, you know, with all this, it's like, okay, great. Getting older. It's not as fun as everyone told me it would be. Definitely not <laughs> as fun as I thought it was going to be when I was a child. So who I'm channeling this week has to be Jennifer Gardner's character from 13 Going on 30. <gasps> Yes. So I mean, I'm not turning 30 yet, <laughs> but I definitely feel like I am the older version of Jenna because it's like, I've wanted this for so long. I wanted to be an adult. I wanted to be taken seriously, but now I'm like, I just want to be a child again. <sighs> so yes. no, like that, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm feeling right now. Oh, oh that man. is so relatable on. <laughs> very relatable <laughs> i also thought i had a heart attack earlier this morning but it was just a panic attack so oh, good. Oh. <laughs> living life as a 27 year old yes <laughs> every yes. day is full of so many wonders <laughs> i thought something was wrong with me because i could if i stood up too quickly i was my getting very lightheaded and then um i've decided it's just because i stayed up all night and i'm sort of for my sleep schedule <laughs> But it's very scary to be uh to be to be getting older. It's very scary. Scary. Yes. Oh. Okay. Well, it's not my time to talk. Oh, it is. Oh, good. <laughs> um, speaking of speaking of getting older, I think this is a good segue as any to talk about our movie today. Let's dive into our discussion, shall we? This week we watched the two thousand. Uh, Oh, that's so weird to just say 2000. It is right. so weird to just say 2000. For real. It felt so wrong. But this movie came out in the year 2000. 2000. Oh, a romantic sports <laughs> comedy, Love and Basketball. 
In this story, Monica Wright, played by Sonala Thane, moves next door to Quincy McCall, played by Omar Epps, and the two immediately form a connection over their love of basketball and their mutual dream of playing in the NBA. Over the years, the two fall in love. However, the pressure of pursuing a career in basketball tests not only their relationship and strength, but their bonds with their families as well. This movie was written and directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. The script was first read at the Sundance Institute and sparked a bidding war with Spike Lee's production company, 40 Acres and a Mule, winning out. Love and Basketball was also the directorial debut for Prince-Bythewood as well. So, ladies, what did we think of Love and Basketball? Oh my god! It's so you good. <laughs> it's so good. It, it's I think, so I think good. it's in uh, two words. It's so good. Oh, or god. I guess it's three words. It could oh. be so good. I was just grinning the whole movie because I haven't seen this since I was probably maybe like fourteen. Is maybe the last yeah. time I saw it. And watching it again, I was not disappointed. It's it's like just as just amazing as um, I thought it was when I was a kid. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I I haven't seen it as well since I was a teenager. Um, but even just watching it now, it's like I found myself sitting on the couch with my husband. I'm like, "Go, Monica, yes! get that layup! You got it, Monica!" Like, and I'm sitting here screaming for this girl, and I'm like, "She's not even an actual basketball player. Nothing, nothing matters what she's doing." But it's you're just so invested in these characters, and you know, watching their love story grow from when they're 11 years old until, you know, they both go pro or whatever they end up doing. So I really love it. And I also played basketball when I was in high school. So I think it just (sighs) kind of, I have like a very special place in my heart for it. So I think, I think it's phenomenal. This was my first time seeing loving (gasps) basketball and Oh, I I think I I realized that this movie was special about Monica is like a young girl and she just moves um, next door to um, this young man, Q or Quincy's house and they're playing basketball and they get into a fight and um, Quincy like pushes Monica and she gets a cut on her face. And there's this scene where Monica is looking in the mirror and she's looking at this cut that she just got. And then she smiles and kind of laughs. And I'm like, holy fuck. This girl yes. is such a badass. Yes. Like, any, like, that said so much about her character and that one action right there. Like, she said, like, boo-hoo, I got a scrape. I have a cut on my face. She's like, hell yeah, this is a battle wound. And, right. like, it was like, this girl is tough as hell. And yes. I was like, I cannot wait see where this movie goes um and she just stays tough throughout the movie and like her character is so compelling to watch because she knows exactly who she is and who she wants and and what she wants from like the first moment she's like I'm a ball player and she just keeps repeating it throughout the movie and I was I looked up you know when this movie came out 2000 and I was like this movie came out in 2000 and like this character is so, so progressive. Yes. Like, yeah. Is I was so, amazed. Yeah. That's why even in the very beginning of the movie, I think one of my favorite scenes is whenever Quincy's like, you want to be my girl? And she's like, yeah, I'm down. <laughs> and, you know, they have a little moment and then he's like, okay, well now that you're my girl, get on my bike. And she's like, <sighs> why? Like I can move. I can, I can ride my own bicycle. I don't need to be on your bike. And even the fact that he's like, well, forget you then pushes her over. And then like they can, then she gets up and continues to beat his ass. And I'm like, yes, yes Monica, <laughs> yes. that is the energy we all need 20 years later in 2020. Yeah. So true. Someone pushes you down, you get up and you push them back. <laughs> yes. And then you beat their <laughs> yes. I, I could not believe looking back how ahead of its time this movie is. And I, I think it tracks the whole movie as she pursues her basketball career. And there's just this subtle peppering in, right? Where I think first and fo- f- foremost, this is a rom-com. It's about the incredible romance between Monica and Q. <laughs> but there is this, this small peppering in throughout the entire time of sexism and basketball yes, and how that yes. manifests for Monica. There's that scene um, where 
Monica and Quincy are in high school and like, um, cause this, what's so cool about this movie too, is that like structure wise, it like spans oh. from like them being like, I don't know, eight or eight or nine to like them being grown adults. So it like covers a, they're like really long, you know, friendship and relationship. And there's a scene when they're in high school and, um, she, she's, he, um, Quincy's giving Monica a ride home and he's like, you need to stop being so aggressive in like the way that you're playing. And she's like, that's bullshit. Yeah. If you are aggressive on the court, you get like a pat on the butt. Right. But if I'm aggressive, people tell me to be more ladylike and stuff like that. And um, just the calling out of the double standards there, I was like, oh, yes. Right. And I, I realized like, Every time Monica said something, I felt like Monica was saying what I would want to say. And that's when I realized, I was like, oh, this movie was definitely written by a woman. Because, like, Mm -hmm. there were so many times where, like, Quincy would come up to her and say something and Monica would be like, what? And there was one time where I said out loud, what? At the exact same time that Monica did. And I was like, a woman, a woman wrote this script. It is so... I love I love a strong female character. Uh, Really, really um, well written. Yeah. Even going off what both of you have been saying, just how progressive this film was being made in 2000. It's like you can even look at the conversations with, you know, Serena Williams now and her losing a match and getting upset or her getting, you know, a bullshit call and her being upset about it. And people all of a sudden are like, She's so angry. She's so aggressive, but she's doing the same things that her male counterparts are doing. And no one's saying anything about them. You know, they're saying, oh, they're legends. You know, Mm -hmm. like that's just them. They're guys. They're getting riled up. But women aren't allowed to have, you know, that same competitiveness in them. Totally. And there's something that like I get so fired up watching this. Just I don't know. I think there's something that because this was this was an impactful movie um, for me as a kid looking back. And I'm just so grateful to Spence Blythewood because I just I, I just can't believe she provided us that representation back then and that perspective. Um, and it's so important because I just do think like as humans, we do, uh, especially when we're children, it's like we do um, get a lot of our idea about the world from film. Uh so this is, I know rom-coms can get a bad rap for sort of having um, limited or two-dimensional representations of people. So to have that type of representation for us as kids, I am like, it's I, it's exhilarating to watch as an adult and be like, oh my God, that's, oh my God, I didn't even understand what this movie right. was providing us back then. I think one of my favorite parts about the movie too is the fact that it is essentially an NBA player that is in love with a WNBA player. Yeah. And I watch it with my husband last night and I look at him and I'm like, is that a thing? They don't really date. Right. He's like, no, like NBA players, you know, just kind of like Quincy's dad, what he was talking about. They're all these women. They come up Mm -hmm. to you. You get caught. You get caught up all this stuff. And you don't really ever see that. And I feel like especially with female athletes, period, they're not really seen as beautiful and feminine and attractive and all these things, which are just complete bullshit. And that's why I even mm-hmm. love the scene um, with Monica and her mom when she's getting ready for the dance. And her oh mom is like, God. you are so beautiful. <sighs> and I'm happy that you're finally seeing your beauty. Yeah. And it was just such a, it was yeah. such, it was one of those scenes where it's like, wow, you know, and, and especially because the mom is so hard on her. You're such a tomboy. Why do you wear your hair like that? Be more like your sister. But at the same time, her mother has always seen that beauty in her and was just mm-hmm. so happy that her daughter finally saw her herself in the way that she saw her. Yes. Yeah. That scene is so, I love that scene so much when she goes and gets the pearls and puts them on her. And in terms of Mariah, what you were saying about like the fact that we, we don't often get to see uh, like a relationship portrayed. That's an NBA player and a WNBA player. Um, the amount of respect that Quincy has for Monica and her devotion to basketball throughout the movie is also something that it's like you don't often see portrayed in romantic movies and um the scene that absolutely stands out for me is when after the dance i mean we, i mean we have to get into all of everything that happens after <laughs> oh, the dance yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, i just got chills i just got chills <laughs> <laughs> but, that's um, 
woman in that movie. That's when I knew this movie was directed by a woman. Yes! I was like, this is the sexiest right. scene ever. Oh my god. <laughs> scene. No man could have directed this. A woman oh, yeah. would have this. Yes. It's, uh, before before we get into all everything that's gonna happen in this in this scene, but the on when they're when they were building up to the scene and they're talking, and she's talking about how she was uh like hooking up with the college guy she took to the dance after, and she just couldn't remember how many offensive uh, I can't remember what it was. It's like offensive blocks. Rebounds. Rebounds. Offensive rebounds she had in her game. And it's like a throwaway comment. And then Quincy looks at her really seriously and is like, you had four. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I was just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> He's paying attention. Yes, yes, and it's like he—he's like not only like for games. He comes to all the games, and it's like even though they they grew apart in high school, and clearly he's sort of presented as this like popular hottie, and she's presented as sort of like this tomboy, um, like doesn't care what people think about her jock. um, That they still like take each other's passion so seriously was. Oh my god! I oh, to see that kind. Of, oh, I just love that so much. And before and before we get into the sex scene, because obviously that's going to come up <laughs> right after this. Um, that there's this scene. It's so. Oh my god! This like melted my heart. Where he his parents are fighting. They're in high school, and his parents are fighting. Yes. And oh they my live god. next door. And he <sighs> he opens the window. He knocks on her window. She like wordlessly gets up opens the window he crawls in she throws like a bunch of pillows and blankets and he just sleeps on her floor Mm. the sweetest thing in the world i mean i died kind of like love and like and just like even like non-sexual love just like pure it was love and friendship it's a deep-rooted love that even though they might be polar opposites although they have so many similarities in um, high school and they've drifted apart, they clearly still care about each other so much that they don't have to say it to say like, you know, I care about you. I appreciate you. I love you. They just show it to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, That scene. I also wrote that scene down. That is, I, I die. I die. (laughs) Um, yeah, let's talk about the sex scene. Um, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there. Okay, this is why. Okay, there. This this sex scene did two things that I was like, hell yes, this is so hot and this is so great. The first is Monica initiates everything. Monica initiates the kiss. He goes for a hug. She takes what she wants. Like she does with everything in her life. (laughs) She's freaking awesome. And she goes for the kiss. They make out. And then she stands up and is like, come on and follow me inside. Okay. Love that. Love when a female initiates stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the, the second thing is it was slow. Like they took their time. And there's that moment where they're like, taking off their clothes and they're just sitting on her bed and they're just like admiring each other. Yeah. Admiring just like taking every each other in. part of each other. <laughs> oh. It's so hot. And that it's like taking that time just builds up that tension. And they're both like, Oh my God, I knew you were this hot, but like you are so hot. And Oh, the silent looking and gazing. Yes. yes, I'm snapping. Yes. Uh, oh my god. And also that representation of sex for teenagers I think is so fantastic because it's 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 um it's vulnerable. Yes. It's serious. It's not like you see him with um the the woman at the beginning of the film and it it's like you know he's sort of he's like big man on campus and all the all the women like want to get with him and Gabrielle Union oh my god I want you we'll have to talk about Gabrielle Union but <laughs> <laughs> so to watch that type of just vulnerable um just mutual respect and desire is phenomenal and can I just say to have the song this woman's worth in the background <laughs> playing the most romantic song to have in the background of the sex scene. I am obsessed. Also, yeah. they somehow made 
him it's because because they did the work of them like having such a strong relationship but like him getting a condom i'll say it really sexy yes really sexy sexy and thoughtful again he's just showing that he cares and also what a great example for young people that are watching this movie and being like Sex can still be sexy with a condom and right. like, using a condom shows that you care and you love somebody. And so I was just like, hell yes. Oh, Glad to see yeah. that condom. And what I love too is the fact that he is, you know, this big hot shot, like big man on campus. And yet, I mean, you're watching two teenagers make love mm-hmm. for the first time, you yeah. know, like this is, they're not fucking, they're not having sex. Like they're yeah. making love and just Every like the the smallest things that they did, like even Monica, she had her hands over her breast the entire time. Yeah. And you could tell that she was just so vulnerable and she was so all of a sudden exposed Mm -hmm. in a way that she's never been exposed before. And just how he just he took they took care of each other. And it was such a beautiful thing to watch. Totally. And I I I felt that so much from Monica and also from Quincy, which I think it's also rare, especially in the year 2000, to have um, to show that kind of male vulnerability in sex. Right. I mean, I can't believe this is in 2000. I can't believe this is like the same yeah. year as um, She's All That. <laughs> or like around the same time. <laughs> I know those worlds of difference. Okay, and here's, I'm glad you brought up She's All That. Because this movie, Love and Basketball, in 40 minutes, covered everything that She's All That covered in an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning... Meaning we got a teen. This movie is structured in such an interesting oh way. It We got a whole teen rom-com within the first 40 minutes of this mm. movie. We got we got a prom. We got like a big, you know, high school basketball game, a big match. We got like college letters and we had like the first kind of like, um, you know, the first time, like the first time that, um, you know, these young high schoolers have sex. And then there's a whole other movie like this movie, you know, if it was a teen rom-com, you know, they'd have sex and then, you know, they'd have a graduation speech or something like that. You'd see the graduation and then the credits would roll. But this movie is so it shows love in such a realistic way. And it's like, what happens after that? Like what happens as they yeah continue on with their lives and how does their relationship change and grow? And so it's almost like. I don't know. This movie at times reminded me of uh, when (gasps) Harry met Sally because it does cover this long friendship and this long relationship. And um, so I was reading an article on The Ringer and apparently Gina Prince Blythewood, uh, when she was writing this, when Harry met Sally was her inspiration. Yes, I see that, and it makes so much sense because I I love the structure of the movie. The movie is structured by in basketball quarters of their lives, and it's so fantastic. And you really can see the like, um, like her pushing the genre forward here and being like, okay, yeah, I'm taking this. I'm taking like some of the things I love about when Harry met Sally and um, and and doing it in this basketball way that it's like so ingenious and so pleasant uh, based on like what the movie is about. In the article, she talks about how she wanted to make when Harry met Sally, but with brown faces and she wanted to address multiple stigmas in cinema uh, like that black love exists and that girls can play better than boys. Yes, they yes. can. <laughs> she did it. She did it. So like the third quarter is like them in college. Um and dealing with like trying to like, what's it like making, having a like full on relationship and then also balancing, you know, basketball and their, their passions and stuff like that. And then the fourth quarter is like really real in that, like they both kind of realize, you know, this dream that we had is not, it's, it's harder. Like it's, it's not as sustainable. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Monica, who was in like the International Women's um, Basketball League, you know, comes back home because she's lonely and it's not what she wants. And, um, you know, Q gets a really bad injury and uh, in the NBA and like is a bench warmer and they have to like re, you know, relook at their lives and, and, and what they want mm. because... Both of them have always, um, you know, 
define themselves by basketball. And it's, I mean, for a rom-com addressing like, you know, broken dreams is (laughs) very deep and very powerful. And, um, Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I was really impressed by everything Jeannie was able to cover in a rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. And what I honestly really loved about the ending too, is the fact that, you know, you have Q essentially standing there looking at Monica, not taking no for an answer. She's saying, I don't love basketball anymore. He's like, but you're a ball player. You've always said you're a ball player. So, so what's the real reason? Why are you no longer doing this? And so you have all of that and you just see how much she loves it. And not saying that he doesn't love it as well, but she just loves the sport so Mm -hmm. much. And that's why I love how at the very end you see her, you know, making it into the WNBA, which is already hard enough in itself because there are not nearly as many teams for women. And he's sitting on the sidelines with, you know, their daughter. And it's it's such a beautiful thing because it's like, you know, I feel like you always have the men be the heroes and he got to have it all. But I love that she got to have it all. She and got like, to have it all. Exactly. And he, and he's there with her every step of the way. I love that. Yeah. It was so unusual to see. I am so unused to seeing a rom-com end in this way where right. the way you would expect it, right, is her to be on the sideline with their kid at the Lakers game. Fully. I love the ending so much because it's not what we normally see. And I loved how true, we've hit on this a bit, but how true she stayed to the reality of um, women pursuing basketball, which is even in the end, right? She's still in a half-empty stadium. Uh, Right. And just that detail uh, was so, I loved that throughout, throughout the movie. When they're in college, he's playing in like the yeah. sold out uh, gym that looks yeah. like it could be the NBA. Arena. And she's like in a side yeah. gym that looks like a high school gym. Uh, Definitely. And then when he's like a hotshot Laker. She's like in Spain by herself watching uh, Family Matters dubbed in Spanish. And yeah, uh, I just I, I just I loved how true she stayed to it. And I loved I I, I also I just yeah, I, Mariah, I also loved seeing that um, how, how she got to have it all in the end was. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic movie. Something I want to point out, just to point out how amazing um, Gina Prince-Bythewood's writing is. It's like probably three minutes in. One of the first lines Monica says is, I'm going to be the first woman in the NBA. And then Q goes, no, I'm going to be in the NBA and you're going to be my cheerleader. Uh huh. And then what is the last scene? But she's in the NBA and he is her cheerleader with their daughter right. cheering her on. And it's like, holy crap. Here it is. He's like, I'm going to be this way. And then at the end of it, he's the cheerleader and he's cheering her on. And that's his arc. And what a huge character arc that is and how beautiful it ended with, you know, he's cheering her on. Right. Um, is and he's so, happy about he's it. He's so mm-hmm. happy. He's so happy and excited to do it. And I think that's so freaking cool yeah and i think that makes so much sense with his character arc as well because it turned right we end up discovering that a lot of the reason he wants to pursue basketball is because he's wanted to be uh this man that his father has wanted him to be and he wanted to be, wants right. to be just like his dad and then when he learns like the reality of his father and that his father is actually flawed and that the dream is not as perfect as he imagined it would be um he does have to reevaluate his motivations um where hers, where, where for her it was intrinsic, right? She, where her parents were like not encouraging a basketball, um, and she, Fully. she, she was motivated to do it despite of them. Um, so I love that, and so it just it all fits. So then by the end, when he is supporting her, you're like, yeah, this this fits based on um, both of their character arcs. Hell yeah! Something else I love is um, all the little cameos that we. Oh get. my god! Because it's it's two thousand, right? So yeah, realistically, like. Gabrielle Union hadn't popped off yet. Uh, Regina Hall oh my God. hadn't popped off yet. Yeah. Tyra Banks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot about Tyra Banks. I'm not kidding. When she oh came in, when she came into the hospital and she's like sitting there, does not even acknowledge Monica. <laughs> but then she looks up and she goes, hi. And I'm not kidding. I went out loud. 
hi, I'm Eve, <gasps> and I am your special friend. Like, yes! that's really what I thought she was going to say. Oh, my God. Which, for those of you that don't know, Mariah is, I believe, quoting the film, what is it called? Life Size. Life Size. <laughs> With very young Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot Tyra Banks was in it. Okay, I also read in the same Ringer article that apparently um, Sanaa Lathan and Omar Epps were dating when they auditioned, but they didn't tell Prince <gasps> Bythewood. What? Yes. And she just said like their chemistry was off the charts. And she was like, they were smart to not tell me because she wouldn't have done it. She wouldn't have picked them because she would be afraid they would have broken up. But they were dating. Everything is perfect. They were actually dating. Okay, (laughs) wow. Okay, wow. I mean, things make so much more sense now. Like that's that's sexy. Oh my god. That was personal. That was (laughs) Yeah, okay. That Well, another fun thing about casting that I read, and I read this on IMDb, um, was Cena Lathan. Cena Lathan was up for the part, and another girl was up for the part too. I don't remember her name. She was a basketball player, so there was a basketball player and Cena, and they're like, "Okay, basketball player, we're gonna give you an acting coach. Cena, we're gonna give you a basketball coach." This was, I think, Spike Lee who did it and was like, you have two months and then we're going to like check in and see like how you guys are doing because they really, really wanted somebody who could play basketball really, really well. Right. And like at the end of the two months, they're like, "Okay, uh, Cena's way better actress uh, and is good at basketball (laughs) player and the poor basketball player. I forgot her name. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) uh, Never made it. uh, Never made it as an actress. That's okay though. Um, But... uh, Another thing was Gina had hired a stunt double um, to play basketball just in case Cena couldn't do, you know, some of the things they needed her to do for shots. Mm-hmm. But they didn't end up needing the stunt <gasps> double because that she is fucking truly learned impressive. how to play basketball. It is so impressive. Because basketball isn't easy. Mm-hmm. No. At all. Like, it's it's very hard. And so even watching her, too, when they said, oh, she's 5'7", I'm like, she's short. Granted, She's a power forward, so makes sense, but she's really small. And these other girls that she's playing with, I'm assuming were actual basketball players. So to be able to hold your mm-hmm. own against actual basketball players, that's impressive. Also, her arms. <gasps> oh my God. Her arms are, oh, I wish my arms looked like that. Amazing. Arms like chicken cutlets. <laughs> <laughs> so soft. Also, like, so cool to have a sexy, strong female lead be like, yeah, she's yes. super buff and hot. And I, it's, you know, uh, we the representation we normally get is like very thin, very thin is hot. So it was <gasps> so great. Way fish and weak. So it was so cool. Blow away in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> but something that dates the movie for me is like, there's a lot of heavy slut shaming in this movie. Uh-huh. A lot of the characters slut shame, like... Uh, I'm trying to think both the mom slut shame. Yeah, uh, she, um, she does slut shame Gabrielle even Monica's, Union. Even Monica slut shames Gabrielle mm-hmm. Union a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, that is definitely a little 2000s. It's like, you know, <laughs> sometimes ladies want to have sex <laughs> and uh, that's, that's okay. Um, I, you know, I like that Gabrielle Union was was forward in her, in her note giving. Mm-hmm. Um that's all I'll say about yeah. that. Just wanted to, just wanted to stand up for uh, for for Gabrielle. Yeah, I love you, Gabrielle Union. <laughs> yeah, I clocked that alley. I also had um, this and this is one of my tropes. So maybe that's a good transition into our trope checklist. Um, is another thing mm-hmm. I bumped against, which is in the sex scene, which is almost a perfect scene and still remains because I do think there's good reason for this. But it's also another um, like pretty like straight to penetration sex scene, which um, yeah, yes, which is not bad and and sometimes that's great and uh, for some people that is perfect. But again, when we're just saying seventy five percent of women uh, can only orgasm from uh, clitoral stimulation, we gotta even out. Uh, we gotta even out the score. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) on how that's represented um, in our films. 
very fair. We want some. <laughs> we we want some. We want some rubbing and we want some tongue action. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. But also, Mia, let's write a rom com about yes! that. Yes. Oh my God. Can we? Um, can we? Can we write the first? Yeah. I um, I would love that. Um. But also, the sex scene's so amazing, and so I do I do get it in the context. And often for high schoolers who don't have access to all the info, that is also kind of how it goes. So, um, occasionally for you know depending on who you are and um, where you're at. So great. I think that's a that's a good transition into our trope checklist where we um, identify some of the tropes we saw in the movie and we just sort of see how it lines up with other rom-coms. I can start us off here. The the first one is the girl next door trope. Oh my God. Uh, that uh, Monica is a down to earth girl next door. Uh, not like the other sexy girls, but wholesome and approachable. Um, they also, and this is kind of like a sub trope of that, but I love a girl guy next door scenario where their windows line up perfectly oh so that they can see each other. I think that's yes. a trope. I wrote, I wrote down that. It is. That's windows definitely line a trope because it happens a lot in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yes. It's so hot. Also, I've never had that. I've never been able, like even my, I'm, I'm, um, I'm dog sitting for my parents right now. And even in their house, I, I can try to look into the neighbor's windows, but it's impossible because A, none of our windows line up and um, <laughs> B, there are bushes and trees in the way and C, they have their blinds closed all the time. So no guy next door for Allie. Um, okay. Um, now that everybody knows I'm a voyeur, let me continue on with um, in this one, you can debate me on um, guys, but I would say childhood flashback. Oh, I counted that. It's not quite a flashback because it starts in their childhood, but I, I'd say we have a little bit of a, a childhood flashback. I agree um, with I agree with that one because I think in terms of when we see that in rom coms like Miss Congeniality and Trainwreck, it, it does usually kick off the movie. So I I I also clocked that and think that that counts as the trope the 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 childhood lesson or meet cue as a, as kids. Excellent. Um, another one I had was um, kind of like the grand entrance into prom. Mm-hmm. So usually it's like the guys dancing. And then the girl, like the sees kind of part, like the crowd kind of parts and like the girl enters and walks forth. Like, and she's all that. Like she like kind of like walks down the stairs. There's always kind of like a, and she like enters the prom and everybody kind of like looks up and it's like, (gasps) she's, she's a woman now. (laughs) She's wearing a dress. (laughs) Um, So I'm doing kind of a grand entrance um, that's what I'm calling that one. I don't know if we've labeled that one yet, but it's a scene I see a yeah, lot. Yeah, I'm glad you labeled it because it we do. Yeah, it's like the reveal, the like, oh, like the post makeover reveal. Yeah, I like the the, the, the crowds of people. The, ground, the grand then, entrance. I mean that the grand entrance. Um, and also that leads into the makeover scene. Yeah. Um, and we haven't talked about this yet, but I crap i don't even remember this character's name who what her sister's name's lena right i think so that sounds right yes her her sister i loved the sister relationship in this like sometimes in rom-coms you'll see like competitive sisters Mm -hmm. like you um you see that in 27 dresses the sisters are kind of like competitive and at each other's throats and these were just like two really supportive sisters who um loved each other and you know never you know her sister lena was like more feminine and right um you know monica was more of a tomboy but they both like just accepted each other and loved each other and met each other where they were at which i thought was really cool but anyway there's a makeover scene where um lena and monica's mom help her get ready um for prom and um, okay, here's a trope that I'm I'm pitching. I don't know if we have this one, but <laughs> maybe we can come up with a better title than what I'm saying here. But it's the dancing with <gasps> other people but looking at each I other. Have that trope. Too. Oh my gosh! I have that too. Yes. <laughs> oh my god! I, that happens. 
far too often. Yes. It happens all the time where you're like, you're dancing with the wrong person, but yes. you're looking at the person you wish you were dancing <laughs> yes. with. Yes. And Mar- Mariah, like you were saying, the um, gr- like the, the people having windows into each other's homes being something of like late 90s, early aughts rom-coms. I also feel that this trope was heavily present at that time. Oh, yeah. And I love it. Okay. What are we going to call it? The... Um, I wrote down I wrote down meaningful eye contact while dancing with other people but that's pretty long <laughs> um, yeah meaningful eye contact what did you what did you call dancing it? with other people um I call mine was even longer mine was dancing with other people but still looking at each other <laughs> oh what, 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 I, I, I sex while dancing I don't know yeah maybe like I fucking yeah we'll just call it I fucking maybe or even like I, I fucking on the I fucking on the yes. dance floor <laughs> yes that's it I fucking on you the dance it. floor I fucking on the dance floor <laughs> perfect perfect yeah I had some of those as well that takes so that takes care of some of mine the two I'll put forth that I have left are um we covered the flashback but I also think that might take care of the meat cute as well um, I don't know. Mm. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I just thought it was a cute way to meet because she's like a, she pretends to be a boy and then takes off her hat. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was pretty cute. Um, and then um, I thought that was great. Oh, yeah. Do you, that was very cute. Do you count that as also. I don't know how they thought that that was a boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she spoke and it was like okay um you have the cutest little voice in the world so. was a stretch uh and then i have i don't know how you guys feel about this one because they do rectify it by the end but um i also saw female colleagues are enemies with her and sidra in college mm. where at first they're like big enemies but then by the time they're playing pro they become like pals so i don't know i don't know what you guys think there I would say that that trope is true, that they were enemies to start off with. Um, but I think that's what's cool. I'd say, yes, that trope is uh, true, but it's cool that she does rectify it later. And like when yeah. they're in Spain and like, uh, you know, her enemy is on like the Italian team and then they like get wine and they're like, I'm living the life. I right. loved that moment. Yeah. And so I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. I almost actually don't want to count it now because I do think it's like really justified by the environment they're in where it's just like, that's true. It's really competitive. It's, just like, also it's like friendly competition, but not so friendly. Yeah. And also it's their age. I mean, I think that's, what's really cool too is like sometimes we, when we are younger, we do feel competitive with other women, mm-hmm. but you know with time and stuff you know we realize oh it's not you know the other women that are the our competition or the problem it's the system right what do we think a grand gesture was for this movie because i i want to talk about god this scene was so i know i know what you're gonna say and had me literally (laughs) on the edge of my seat it's like the the climax of the movie where Q is like engaged to Tyra Banks. <laughs> Q is engaged to Tyra Banks, and um, Monica comes up to him, and it's like, "I know you're supposed to be with me. You love me. Say right. you love me." And he's like, "No." And she's like, "I'm gonna. This is the fucking most badass thing ever." She's like, "We're gonna play a game of one on one, and I'm gonna play for your heart. Right. Yeah. And if I beat you." I know you love me because you are letting me win. But if you right. beat me, like, I feel like that's the grand gesture, which is like this basketball game, which is like, here I am fighting for you. And, um, you know, I'm going to find out if you're going to fight for me too um, by playing this basketball game. So I would say that was the grand gesture. And I honestly, when they were playing, I wasn't sure – who was going to win uh, and uh, win spoilers, <laughs> spoilers, guys, uh, <laughs> it's a wrap up. We know they end up together. But when Q won and it was like, oh, my God, maybe they're not going to get together. Maybe it's going to have a sad ending. And I have no idea why Mariah says this is one of her favorite rom-coms. <laughs> like, maybe Mariah just, you know, likes sad rom-coms. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
uh, then he's like, double or nothing. Oh my God. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that because um, it's so perfect with the movie where it's like they've already had their chance and it didn't end well. And it's like he's wagering his marriage to Tyra Banks and just saying double right. or nothing. Like, OK, <laughs> let's do let's let's go again. And if it doesn't work, we're both, you know, it's we're, we're not going to end up with anything. And it was incredible. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, so, yeah, I count that as a grand gesture because I think it's also like. It's her grand gesture to offer the game and to offer to um, be open to humiliation like that, where it's like, I'm going to put forth yeah. my best physical effort. And then if I lose, not only do I lose, I am rejected. And then um, and then his grand gesture is, is to to call off the wedding. Oh, we, it's the ending fake right. out. We have to count the ending fake out. Oh, the ending fake out. You're right. Which is where Good call me he wins the game and he says, "Uh oh, I'm marrying Tyra Banks. And then he goes, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Double or nothing. Double or nothing. <laughs> yes. Such an ending fake out. <sighs> oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot Tyra Banks is in this movie. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> well, it's so star-studded. I mean, like, not for the time, but it's it so star-studded. And she's just in it for the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's in it for realistically three minutes. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. But was so looking back on the movie, I remember her character so well. And then seeing it this time, it's like she's only in there for like three. Yeah, like three minutes. <laughs> I don't know if this would be a trope or not, but I feel like this comes up often, almost like the parents blessing where it's like mm. it's the parent being like, you're letting the love of your life walk away. Yeah. Go do something about yes. it. Yes. Yeah, I would count that because it does feel like there's like that pep talk where it's like, no, I'm fine. I'm moving on. I'm going to be a banker. And then the mom is like. Right. And the mom's like, no, I said he could do better. And I meant it was you. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I count that. Yeah. I I feel like I've seen that a lot. I feel like that's in the proposal or like that's in a lot of movies where it's like the parents like, how could you let this person go? Or they look over. And it's like, I can tell you really like this person. And they're like, no, what you don't know is it's like just a lie. And like um, thinking about I think that's in uh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. Like it's in the wedding planner, too. (gasps) Oh, her dad. You. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I can see the love that you have for this person, even if you can't see it yourself. And they're like, you're right, mommy, daddy. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that because, yeah, and because um, oftentimes, right, it seems like it's an, uh, per- a parent who isn't supportive and then flips. Oh, wait, right. we see it in freaking uh, Crazy Rich Asians where with, oh, yes, with the yes, ring, yes, yes, yes. where the mom is so anti her the whole time and then gives her the ring. No spoilers, but obviously you should see it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so that brings us to 11. So, yeah, so not super That's high. interesting. Not super high, but I think that's maybe because like of the atypical structure in that like the first half of the movie is very, very rom-com-y mm-hmm. and then or I guess the first quarter is really rom-com-y yeah. and then like the other three are not as much the typical structure. Totally. Um, very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. I love it. Oh, it's a good amount. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I... I think it's time to uh, rate this rom-com, guys. So, as of now, our top five rom-coms are Notting Hill, Hitch, Silver Linings Playbook, 27 Dresses, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Now, if we so choose today, we can put (laughs) Love and Basketball on that list. But, but... We all have to unanimously agree to vote off one of those other top five rom-coms. All right. This is this is when things get tough. You know, this isn't just talking about rom-coms anymore. This is hardcore rating. This is where hearts get broken on this podcast. So, guys, what do we think? Does Love and Basketball deserve a spot on that top five list? And if so, who does it knock off? I'll kick it off. I think looking at this list, it's a tough one, but I think it should go on the list. <laughs> and I think it should replace <laughs> Silver Linings Playbook, um, which I know is I know is controversial. It's a controversial choice and we definitely don't have to go with it. But I think I like that because Silver Linings um, 
centers around a dance competition. Um, so it's got that um, sort of sport competition element. And um, while I like Silver Lines Playbook a lot, the um, amount of joy that this movie brought me um, and uh, <laughs> the sort of like how ahead of its time it was and how it still incorporates some of the tropes that I adore, um, I would I would put forth that option. I'm not married to it. I'm not married to it. Wow, Mia's coming to play today, and I love that. <laughs> okay, okay. Here's what I'll say. Here's my here are my here's my um my bit. Okay, Mia. I completely <gasps> agree. <laughs> oh my god! I can't think the exact same thing. Oh my god, we okay, never agree. I think we, we never oh. agree. What? Oh my these, god! Both of these movies, we never agree. Both of these movies are heavy in the rom, light on the mm-hmm. calm. I will say, there's, I think there's better one-liners and more calm in Love and Basketball. I also like the female character better, stronger. I also think the two leads have insane <gasps> chemistry. Right. So it's just steamy. undeniable so in Love and Basketball. I mean, and the fact that they were a couple while they filmed oh this movie, God. it just is like, <laughs> I'm dying. Um, and I think... Like you said, I think the love aspect in Love and Basketball is better. I think the couple's chemistry is better. And I think the competition is better, like mm-hmm. you said, Mia. I think, like, both of these are, you know, about, like, kind of um, two, like, teammates, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, and the the competition is more exciting, um, higher stakes, and... Um, just uh, had me on the edge of my seat. So there, uh, I'll say I agree. Mariah, what are your two cents? Okay, well, ladies, <gasps> I also agree. Let's please knock off the Marlene's playbook. When you said that out loud, I literally rolled my eyes. I hate that movie so much. So I am all for replacing it with Love and Basketball. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. wow. I'm ringing the bell. The news is in. The news is in. Basketball is on our new top five list. Oh my god, I love it. Okay, well, since we just got that nice little dose of reality that we are all on the same page, I think it's time for a little reality check. And in this segment, we test out the tropes and plot devices in the rom-coms we've just watched and see if they hold up in the real world. In Love and Basketball, we see the familiar trope of girl next door slash boy next door. Uh, We've seen this in other films like 13 Going on 30, Always Be My Maybe, Pretty in Pink, and Flipped. But, ladies, is this true? (laughs) Have any of us ever had a relationship with a boy next door or even known anybody who's had a boy next door (laughs) kind of relationship? Because I'm jealous. I would like one. (laughs) Um. I don't think so. No. Yeah. I mean, Does like, this ring true. I always, you know, I dreamed about it when I was a kid. Oh, this- that I could just walk, you know, across the cul de sac and be like, you're my boyfriend and now we're in love. But that never happened to me. Same. And it's so I- sad because it feels like we were promised it by these movies. Right. We were promised a window into our beloved's room. And, um, and, uh, no, I, I, I didn't, no, no, never, not once. Do you remember that Taylor Swift music video? Yes. Um, titled You Belong With Me? Uh, of course. It's, oh my gosh. This music video broke my heart <laughs> because Taylor Swift is kind of like nerdy and she's like, there's like this hot boy next door and she like looks through the window at him and they like write each other notes and stuff and i i felt like she promised me that she's like this is what high school should look like um and um it never looked like that for me because my window looked out you know to a tree um, <laughs> and so um i felt like it was like part of like an american dream that i an American teen dream that I wasn't given and is heartbreaking. Well, okay, 
Mariah, thank you so much for joining us oh, today. Thank you guys for having me on. It was such a delight. Now, do you, so such a delight. Oh, it, thank you. Thank you for joining us. And do you have any social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners? You can follow me on social media. Um, my Instagram and my Twitter, they're both um, at Mariah land. It's like Disneyland except better. Cause it's my <laughs> land. Um, Amazing. And yeah, like mentioned before, I have a movie coming out this Christmas season. <gasps> it's called a Royal Christmas engagement. I'm not sure what network it's going to come on yet, but it will hopefully be on TV in November or December. Oh my God. Um, We're going to cover it. We have we to not wait. Oh my God. And <gasps> Allie loves Allie is like huge on Christmas rom-coms as you probably know. So huge on yes. Christmas rom com. <laughs> oh my gosh, when it comes out, can we watch it and have you back as a guest? <gasps> oh, that would be my God. <laughs> Incredible. You don't have to say yes, yes. now. We don't have to make any decisions now. All I but, know is that there are a lot, there are going to be a lot of tropes in that one. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we love our tropes. Yes. <laughs> Do. You know what? I'll go ahead and say yes. <gasps> yes, she said yes. Um, well, uh, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to like and subscribe and rate. And we are brought to you by the wonderful folks over at Campfire Media. Oh, and P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. I'm Kate Thompson. And I'm Mark David Christensen. And together we host, ah, oh, crap, a Hellboy podcast. The show dedicated to the half-demon hero brought forth by writer-artist Mike Mignola and published by Dark Horse Comics. Each week we discuss everything Hellboy. Plus his expanded universe with the BPRD, Abe Sapien, Lobster Johnson, and many more. That's, ah, oh, crap, a Hellboy podcast on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.